Video. It's the only way to get what you want to watch when you want to watch it. Hello, my name is Justin McLean. I'm here today with Mark Hansen. And you're listening to the Basement Video Podcast, where he goes through all of this week's notable Blu-rays and DVDs. Oh, yeah. You know, it's been pretty manageable lately. We're uh, staying on top of this, the notable Blu-rays and DVDs. AKA, we're doing it every week. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. What? The time lag was crazy before, but you know what? Now we're in it. We're in it. And we're going to go to, can we dare to wish a thousand listeners a week? Oh, my God. Oh, can we do it? That's what? double what we have now. What are, there... we, what are we at now? I uh, confess I don't follow. 400, 500. So not that many. Okay. okay. You but... know what? When I was like 10 years old, if I thought like 500, 500 people, people would care about something I was doing, that would it was just amazing. Now that we're regular, though, people are excited. Yeah. They check. Episodes hey. drop on Tuesday. New, people new Blu-ray me. and DVD people day. People come in and tell me and say they're liking what we're doing. So. Do we need to change the podcast name to something? It's like new Blu-ray and DVD show. Yeah. So people are we, like, we oh, like I know a, what that is. A catchier title. Mm-hmm. This is a store sanctioned podcast no, it's sanctioned not. It's yeah not at all can you imagine if someone had to listen to every episode and be like well we can't have that in there you're gonna have to cut that out <laughs> yeah i know Ooh. i'd be like see you well we never say anything controversial never podcast. never ever ever so let's start with criterion and it is okja the netflix bong joon ho movie man it's taking a while for this to come out to blu-ray yeah i thought this would have come out way earlier considering they had parasite and memories of murder out like pretty quick uh did this not do numbers and that's why they're like we're gonna put it out on blu-ray is it just me or does this feel like the forgotten bong joon ho film a little bit absolutely does anybody talk about this movie anymore no and and this is coming from somebody who really liked it i like this i was day one i watched it me too and i like never get behind netflix premieres usually but like i watched this day one too and i had a blast with it i thought it was fun i think this one didn't connect in the way they thought it yeah. would, so they were a bit embarrassed. It's fascinating how these streaming giants, because money means nothing mm-hmm. up to a certain point, that like it's all about perception that they care about. It's yeah. like, we want Oscars. Like, who cares if you get Oscars? But that affects stock prices. So it needs to be a cultural like zeitgeist. Yeah. I was reading about Underground 6, the Michael Bay movie, right. which was technically a massive hit mm-hmm. for Netflix, because you always see it in the top 10. Yeah. And they were like, oh, well, it didn't really become the thing that we wanted it to. And I'm like, what, what, what do you guys thing? want? Yeah, Maybe... Critically, like at a certain point, like it's what's critical that matters. And if it has like 90%, because when you're like a billionaire or a millionaire Mm -hmm. and no one knows the information that's going out from Netflix, all you care about are people's opinions, right? Exactly. At a certain point and expanding, you know, capitalism through yep. your business of course that's netflix mo and if six underground doesn't get good reviews I, does, it probably hurts it in that way they you think that but then it seems like they don't care about the critical reception for other things you know yeah like, like all the cartoon like, shows right. supposedly they want it to be like yeah, boss baby right? like they're like can you can we get a little bit more boss right? baby in this yeah because boss babies are number one yeah. cartoon didn't they like make a big deal over bright even though everybody hated that though they yes say that did like huge numbers and that's great for us but and everybody they were, hated they do it. a sequel they're not before, gonna do a sequel well, of not bright. anymore yeah but, like they were though weren't they i don't think so i mean that'd be a long gap ass sequel because that yeah. was six years ago i think one of their early ones right mm-hmm. yeah so bright did numbers you would think that they would continue doing it mm-hmm. if it did but they didn't so it is such a, like a weird like push pull yeah. right i think this one's kind of an, a hard sell maybe too even so it's got the art film cash international cinema cachet and then you've got kind of like the oscar baby cast and stuff but the movie is certainly like weird and different did this come out not... before parasite yeah oh yeah, wow this came out in like i want to say 2017 or yeah 2017 this so after snowpiercer yes this was I his film after this yeah i feel like it was kind of a similar situation to snowpiercer because you know that was obviously 
the Weinstein mm. didn't like that. There was a lot of fighting. And I feel like, obviously, I'm sure you didn't get that kind of pushback on this. But maybe I wonder if it just didn't do the kind of numbers they wanted. Um, I don't know. Well, it's coming out to Blu-ray now. And I have to admit, though, it's not selling very well. Either. Really? And like Memories of Murder, Parasite, like I know those are more all-timers, but those like flew off the shelves like crazy. We sold... A few copies of this. Why didn't they release this when Memories of Murder or even Parasite was put out on Blu-ray? Like, just put them all out together, you know, and have people just pick them all up at once. Late. Five years after. The real question is, when is Mank coming to Blu-ray? That's what the fans <laughs> want. The Mank. real question Mank. is, when Mank. is my favorite Tyler Perry movie coming to... Is, is he in Mank? No, it's... Uh, he made a, Tyler, he made a oh, Netflix, Netflix original, film. which is very good. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Mank's got to happen soon, though, right? I think that's another movie that they were like, do people like this? The Mank was a film when it played. People were like, yeah, we love this. And it's like awkwardly looking know, around. Like, and then... It was like, oh, it's Fincher, so we, we have to like it. Not of, me. Right? Bad. You bad movie. I haven't seen it. Oh, yeah. You don't do net don't streaming care. stuff. I'm telling you, like the Netflix stuff. Yeah. I haven't even seen The Irishman, man. Like that's Well, that's on your that's on you. That's, that's not on me, Netflix. Yeah. No, I'm not saying it's, you know. But you rush out to see the new Tyler Perry film on Netflix, I'm sure. Hell yeah. Did it star a um I can't even remember who the star was. <laughs> it's like I don't even remember. Like a Beverly who... Hill, one of those reality TV it shows. Actually, it had no reality TV connection. Hmm. So next up we have Hero being released by 88 Films. And no, it is not Jet Lee's Hero. It is Young. Bio and Takashi Kanishiro and Yunwa's hero. I thought it was the Dustin Hoffman hero. And what's the Dustin Hoffman hero? <laughs> Some 90s movie. So this is one that is released by the Shaw Brothers, a rare Shaw Brothers theatrical film in the 90s. It's a remake of Chang Chai's The Boxers from Shang Tung. I like this one. It's directed by Corey Yun. Yes, that's right. The action choreographer who took North America by storm. He's also very famous in Hong Kong as well. <laughs> but he uh, did the action in Romeo Must Die, Kiss of the Dragon. Basically, anything that Jet Li was involved with. He was the action choreographer. It was a great run. It was a great run. <laughs> uh, he did the action in The One and he was assisted right. at the time by the co-star in Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Kei-Hu Kwan. There you go. There got it. Go. You got it. Yeah, you got there. Kei-Hu Kwan was on Korean Sun Team. And he worked on the one. That's very cool. That's Post, very cool. Uh, Did he direct the one, Korean? No, that no. was... How dare you? That's a James Hong joint. That is. A Final Destination oh, fame. I'm, I'm sorry, James. I'm sorry. So this movie's fun. Not essential by any stretch of the imagination. But I feel like 88 Films is probably like, we need to get like a more modern film out there. Yeah. And they don't even... They're like, shh. Don't say it's a Shaw Brothers movie. Uh, yeah, not many special features. An audio commentary with uh, the go-to Mike Leader and Arnie Venema. And some alternate shots from the Taiwanese version. I feel it's a little extra gory in the Taiwanese version. That's it. Ooh. That's all you get in this one. Next up, we have Barabbas. And this is made <laughs> by one of my favorite journeymen, Richard Fleischer. Okay. Yeah. And this one's yeah. fun. You know what? Never seen this one. You don't know, Do you know who Barabbas is? The man that was crucified Vaguely? beside Jesus? I believe he was the one that was saved. Okay. Remember when they asked people to vote Barabbas won right. and he got to go on his way? I never had any religious upbringing at all. I like didn't even go to church. So Your parents weren't religious? Heathen. Nope. Not at all. Oh, I thought they were for some reason. I guess maybe because they're British. No. Hello. We, we went to church like a few times when I was really young mm -hmm. and I would go to Sunday school, but then it just never took and my parents didn't care. So, yeah. Hey, there's some fun special features on this one. There is a commentary with Barry Forshaw and Kim Newman. And I believe this is a film that, you know what? I may be wrong. I don't think it ever got a Blu-ray release. Not in North America. Because I remember when yeah. I watched it, it was a really crappy DVD version. Yeah. That's all that's been available, I think. Unless like Twilight Time put it out. And this is a big epic too because like produced by Dino De Laurentiis. 
Yeah. Uh, based on a novel by a Nobel Prize winner, Par Lugervixt. I like that. Uh, based a Nobel Prize winner. I guess. Did he win the Nobel Prize for this <laughs> sure. book? I doubt it. it. Sells copies. I like weird kind of religious epics taken from like weird perspective. And this definitely fits yeah. uh, the bill. I remember writing a review and I think I said like it's much more miserable than you think it is, okay. which is what I like. Okay. So, you know, maybe I'll pick this one. I'd watch it again. Bad, you know? Richard Fleischer, not, not a not a guy that's always batting 100. But when he hits, no. when he gets an idea. Yeah. Didn't we talk about one of his films recently? I watched Probably. one recently that I was like, ugh, I do not like he this. So many. So, so many. I feel like this one will be sitting on your shelf for a while and it's hey, an imprint title, so no, you can't return it. So. Sell- hey, man, it's selling well. Really? This is our last copy that you're holding in your what? hand. Yeah. Wow. I know. And I brought in like a decent amount. Mm. So, so like uh, three copies? <laughs> Six copies? Six maybe? Okay. But, you know, I think the historical epic thing just always sells. Are people like us. Anthony <laughs> Quinn fans? I, honestly, any historical epic sells. Even, even new historical good. epics? Like, no, like classic ones. Okay, so they need to yeah. be Hollywood They fans. have to be classic ones. No, yeah. And next up, we have, wow, this is a big release, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> it is Jerry Lewis's The Ladies' Man. What's weird about this is that it feels like Umbrella Films, who are putting it out, are like, Ugh, just put it on. I know, right? right? It doesn't look It, it doesn't look snazzy, fancy. Yeah. This is probably uh, Jerry Lewis's like best movie, especially right. as a director. It's famous for the big set that they built. I remember I showed this during like an online screening saying uh, during the heart of the pandemic and people were like, I've never seen this before. It's amazing. And I'm like, yeah, there's no Blu-ray or anything. And this Blu-ray has a feature documentary, Jerry Lewis, The Man Behind the Clown, which I get a feeling it's probably an older doc from the I 90s. Think so. I think it was a fairly prominent one at the mm. time it came out that just hasn't really been seen since then. And we also have all the special features that were on the previous uh, DVD long out of print now that was on like the big box set. Yeah. And a new audio commentary with Jerry Lewis film buffs, Paul Harrison, Will Sloan. I'm kidding. Will's uh, not on this. Sorry, what? <laughs> uh, and Alan Finney. Will's right there. Like right all he wants there, to do is man. talk about Jerry Lewis. There's also a 2000 audio commentary with Jerry Lewis and Steve Lawrence. I'm sure he is very mm. grumpy and probably doesn't say very much. <laughs> but hey, it's out on Blu-ray. Reasonably priced at Bay Street Video. Australia's got all those Jerry Lewis movies coming out on Blu-ray. Oh, is there days. more of them that are coming? Oh, uh, there was that imprint set, right? The yeah, one. that's so weird that that imprint set was like so lavish and nice for like two real <laughs> stinkers out of Jerry, Jerry's own. Yeah, we haven't been able to restock that since you bought our last copy. Really? So still waiting on trying to get more copies. So, next up, we have Tarantula's The Deadly Cargo. Deadly? Yeah, deadly. Not deadliest. No. You'd think it'd be the deadliest <laughs> right? cargo, right? It's just a dead. It's not the deadliest. Do you know it's why it's deadly. not the deadliest? Because there's three other insect movies that are coming out there this are. week. This is part of a wave of, you know, Kino's doing the TV movie thing. And uh, got... Listen, we've gone through all the theatrical films that could possibly be released, so let's go to TV, TV movie movies. land. So they've got this, Ants, which is also known as It Happened at Lakewood Manor, and Terror Out of the Sky, which is a B one. Do you movie. have any affinity? I'm going to say no, because you did not <laughs> jump on these? these. Yeah. You know, at one point, I think I was more interested. And You're I, more interested in like African bees, like, or, you know, the killer bees, like the 90s version the, that would play on TBS. Yeah, you know, I think it's the 70s. Yeah, if it's like a 90s, if it was like a TBS Superstation original yes. movie. I'm down. <laughs> On Blu-ray from Kino. The seventh, yeah. Please release, <laughs> please release like Silent Predators. Uh, I mean, Christmas Rush. That needs a Blu-ray release. Yeah, but, you know, that's a whole other topic. I wonder if those films were edited on video. I don't know. 
and that's why no one's touched them. I mean, yeah, Christmas they're, they're Rush. Like all out of print now. Where I is have a DVD of Christmas Rush? Like under its generic title. If Vinegar way. Syndrome put out like a big like oh, box set for oh, Christmas Rush, came this. out in like a Christmas box that you opened up. Please put it out. Vinegar Syndrome, do it, and then get me to do some comedy. If people don't oh, know what Christmas there. Rush is, it's a Dean Cain starring. Is Eric Roberts the back guy? Yeah, of course. Oh, he's really he good has in the it too. Best death scene in it. Eric Roberts, who is not really that bad a guy for what he's doing in that no, movie not at all dean kane's the worst person in real life in real life I mean, yes yeah, <laughs> terrible terrible person uh and it's a die hard in a mall action it's die hard in a mall and yeah. it's hilarious because they ex- you know so many explosions in this mall and at no point do any cops come by or you know do they you know there's a scene where someone's like this. well i'm not christian and they're like oh yeah and that's kind of like look away. part yeah <laughs> they're like oh yeah okay well moving on then uh but yeah tarantulas uh you know what i did kind of half watch this because it's on youtube because you put it on the list and you know the se- i think it's just 70s tv movies unless you saw it as a kid in the mm-hmm. 70s it just doesn't do it for me like even something like don't be afraid of the dark which is like really you know considered one of the greats it's okay like i'm not crazy you had to be anything. there you had to be a child catching it on television there, right? so yeah i watched this i will say there is a scene in this movie though have you seen this movie it's a scene in this movie that made me laugh harder than like almost anything in recent memory the main character's like girlfriend or wife or something she gets bitten by a spider at the beginning while they're like hanging out of the park and he's off somewhere and she starts to feel woozy right away and then she rolls down the hillside they're on and as she's rolling there's like a tree and she goes face first into this tree <laughs> yeah smacks her head into it i don't think it's a dummy because it like looks like her yeah i mean if the spider didn't kill her the <laughs> the tree con- definitely the concussion did. jesus uh so that made me laugh but the rest of it just seemed kind of dry. And just to let people know. know, tarantulas, not that deadly. Not that deadly. And I mean, I mean, I do like shots of like when they try and make the, animals the spiders look like, scary. It's like, like, yeah, it's like the frogs thing, right? That's one of my favorites. Like yeah. to, in the movie Man, Frogs. There were so many like killer scary. ant movies in the 90s. Well, I remember I they used to play on ants. TBS. The VHS cover of Ants, I don't know if you remember that from back in the day. It's like a lady crossing her arms and the ants are like and she's naked, right? Yeah, yeah, basically. And I always saw that in the video store and it scared the shit out of me. I always wanted to see it. And then, you know, it's here now and I'm like, yeah, it's probably going to be boring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's no way it's going to live up to that. So next up we have, speaking of living up to it... <laughs> You can't even get the title out. No, I'm thinking of the song that plays in one of the movies related to this guy. I hope God smokes weed and he was high when he made me. So just imagine that was like a reggae beat. That's right. right. We're in the evil bong world. And it's a spinoff <laughs> film. The Gingerweed Man. Okay, I say spinoff film. Yeah. The film is very generous. This is 45 minutes long. <laughs> Justin pointed this out to me, and I had no idea that this was not a feature-length film. <laughs> but it's out on DVD. Look, I, I got mean, it. Full Moon just puts Eddie shit For me, it cost less out. than $10. They didn't even bother to do a Blu-ray for this one. This there's director's only. commentary. There's deleted scenes, blooper reel. I was like, oh, maybe the person who made it cared. According to <laughs> Letterboxd, well, I didn't watch it. Uh, they do not care. <laughs> is it just going to sit on your shelf with the evil bong set that you bought? No, I'll watch it. Because I've watched all the evil bong movies except the newest yeah, one that just yeah. came out. There's okay. a new one that came out. Come on, Full Moon. You can't, you can't give us a... Like, 70 minutes but even if it was 70 minutes half of it would be like stock footage or something mm-hmm. right yeah that's true so maybe it's better but people aren't enjoying it maybe more this is all killer no filler if it's 45 <laughs> no that's not true no uh, you know i'm glad they're still making movies hey they got another one out this week uh baby oopsie which you <sighs> seem interested in at no all. and you know see you can fool me 
Like, I picked it up. I'm like, oh, wow. It's a woman director, Mark. Brooks Davis. And Mark's like, mm, I don't think so. Yeah, Brooks, Mark was right. It is yeah, not a woman. Brooks is, is a guy's name. Yep. Another thing I know through reality television. I, yeah, I haven't watched many of these new ones. You know what? I like Blade. So when are you going to watch this? Soon? Or I'll watch just, it tonight, gonna, I like, guess. <laughs> the internet's down the while we're down in Canada right now. Yeah, this is the perfect time. So why not? I'll give it a spin. Maybe be doing something else. Putting together Blu-rays while yeah, I do this it. This is the kind of movie you watch with like 10% of your attention. You know what? It. I liked Ouija's. I've gone on record hey, saying yeah. I like you, you talked very fondly about Ouija's when that came out. But you really, you need to get someone that's like probably fresh face, willing to go at it. The person who directed this has been working at Full Moon for like a decade, so. Uh, see, that's the problem. Yeah. You need to get some fresh blood in there. Mm, you know, let you direct a Full Moon movie. Yeah. You know, let you tear it up. I don't think they want people outside of the family doing it because it's right. so rigorous. They have to shoot it in four days, some of these movies. You have to be born into the Full Moon mm-hmm. Yep. So next up we have Straight to VHS. This is an interesting one that Mark brought to my attention. Yeah, this is something that I did not think was going to come out on DVD at all. So basically, Straight to VHS is a documentary that was made last year. It's a Uruguayan documentary about a cult 1980s film from Uruguay called Act of Violence in a Young Journalist, which is included on this disc as well. So my first reaction, and probably most people listening to this, is, oh, so it's a fake movie, right? That right? they're doing a documentary about. Which is about. what I thought at first, because this premiered at Fantasia last mm-hmm. year. They played the doc and they played the uh, feature, but they didn't put it online. It was like an only in-person thing. So... Yeah, basically, you're thinking like, oh, this is some fake thing. But no, this 80s film is a real movie. And and, it's included on this disc. And it's a cult movie. On the back of the case, they say it achieves a cult status akin to Plan 9 from Outer Space and The Room. Okay. So, you know, the main issue automatically conjures images of what this movie is going to be. Something so bad it's funny, you know. The main issue with this film is that for the first, like, 25 minutes, people are telling us how great this movie is. Yeah. And they want to know more about the filmmaker. film critics. And like I watched it like yeah. five times in one day. Yeah, like, I loved it so and much. Like, oh, we got to get. It's like you know, a, it's like a crucial moment in like you know a film viewing history. You know, when you pop in this movie, it changes you. And you're like, All right, I can't it, wait to see this yeah. movie. What's this movie? Because this documentary does not sell it to you. They show no, no clips, not, they, nothing, no, barely anything that yeah. makes you go, oh, I want to see this movie. Exactly. They show a few clips, but it's like total innocuous stuff. Like it is shot, shot on VHS, shot on VHS, mm. like a lot of eighties movies. I mean, yeah, it looks like any kind of regional eighties SOV type movie. But you're not even sure. Like, is it a horror movie? Is it like a comedy? Like, what is this? Movie? Well, they're trying to sell us like, oh, they don't even know like even basic film grammar, yeah, et cetera, right? et cetera. Me and Mark watched a movie that's on this disc. I, I guess we had to speak the language. Like, it's weird. It's regional for sure. Yes. Like, it's super. Like, you need to have some context about Uruguayan culture, I think. I guess. I Maybe the performances know. are really stilted. There's yeah. some funny stuff, There are though. some funny scenes. Like, the scene where... Uh, so, basically, the movie concerns a journalist who's doing a piece on violence. Like, social violence. And it basically. starts with her, like, interviewing a musician yeah. who's like, oh, I'm doing uh, something about the Nazis. And yeah. those feel like real interviews, too. Like, yeah, not there's accurate. a lot of interviews with, like, professor types and stuff, mm-hmm. which are like, these just seem like real documentary-style interviews. So, then, there's a funny scene at the beginning with a guy and his mom mother that's that's one <laughs> of the is, highlights where she's like yeah. where she's like i'm gonna be a blonde now and he's like don't do it i can't recognize you as a blonde and she so, like takes her wigs off from what i can tell the journalist sets this mother up with a guy or yeah something. and then the guy and swears that, he's gonna kill the journalist and yeah, all her friends and the guy who's the son of this mother is so incensed at this journalist for setting his mom up with a guy because he lives with his mom that he's like i'm gonna kill this journalist so he spends the whole movie stalking her stalking her friends her love interest 
There is a really funny kill scene where he kills her friend, I thought, which was done. At, that was like a room style kind of moment. I mean, I there's thought. funny scenes. Yeah. Like there's a scene where the guy is like in a mirror and he's like, all right, time to go out. <laughs> and it cuts to him in the bath, just like splashing water on himself. Yeah. that's And they did show that in the documentary. Yes. And they're like, that's definitely the clip to show. There's also a weird obsession. Well, there's like a lot of Coca-Cola product placement, which mm-hmm. is like so much so that they even have a Coca-Cola ad at the end credits. I don't know if you even saw that at the end. And then you're like, there's no way Coca-Cola sponsored this movie. Like, what are you talking about? Characters are always like, do you want a Coke? Let's drink Coke. But this is not a movie I would recommend to anyone. Even if you're like, yeah. I like bad movies. It'd be like, yeah, okay. It's not amusing enough. It's long. It's an hour yeah, and 50 like it's minutes. it's not a horror movie. Mm-mm. It's not particularly a thriller, even though there's a stalking element to it. I but mean, it does kind of end as a sort of horror movie. It's not even thing, like Plan 9 from Outer Space. Like, I, I hate to break it to the filmmakers who made the documentary. It's not that incompetent. Like, that's the thing. I didn't think it was that bad of a mm. movie. Like, I thought it was legitimately kind of interesting in some of the ideas. It was just not necessarily put together well enough, maybe because of budgetary constraints. or Well, whatever. they also added VCR to VCR. There's like a yeah, weird exactly. scene where they're like at a cabaret and you see like yeah, 30 seconds funny. of a cabaret and then it's like slow motion as it like zooms into two people dancing. I mean, I will say that the movie, the 80s movie, is like almost two hours, which is crazy mm-hmm. long. But it didn't feel as long to me as I thought it was going to. Like, I was expecting for a real slog. And I was I was kind of, I was intrigued by it. I'm definitely going to, I blind bought this DVD. And I was just, I'm going to keep it. I'm, I'm intrigued by the whole thing. But the other mystery is, about the documentary about it, is they're trying to figure out who the director is. Yes. Because the director is like a total enigma. And I like how... It intrigues, it hooks you at first the doc because he's like trying to reach out to the cast and none of them want to talk about it, right? They've all like disappeared. So there's this whole like, ooh, who is this guy? Is he is he some like crazy like cult leader or something? Has he threatened them if they talk about yeah. the movie? No, he just seems like your typically abusive like film director type, right? Yeah, he's just a guy that he wanted to make movies. He did, and then he yeah. got sick and he passed away. And he passed away, and apparently he was kind of an asshole, especially to the female actors especially the lead actress of act of violence who uh the filmmaker does get to interview although you don't see her she doesn't want to be on camera she says like they were really close at first but he was like a terror to her and then they parted ways and she has a hard time even talking about it i do think that there's a great uh interview that ends the movie there it is, feels yeah. a lot like uh, the nobodies nobody's trauma put it out it yeah. is an amazing movie the best movie i saw that year and but that that's a fictional one. But it has uh, an interview at the end of Straight to VHS about it's weird because there's not really any context about the guy. No, you don't find anything out about the guy. No, really. or even the person being interviewed. It's like, yeah. how did he meet him? How did he like? Exactly right. Is and it a fake interview? Like, I don't think it is. And and we should say half of the document. Well, not half. Maybe a third of the documentary is like a fictionalized reenactment sort of like horror movie thing where yeah we're, we're struggling to get to feature length so yeah because it's only like 75 minutes the documentary and mm-hmm. it's definitely a struggle but yeah you're you're right it doesn't really it's an interesting kind of like art piece i guess i guess it doesn't answer if you're hoping for like a true crime kind of like thing it doesn't really give you anything no well i'm happy because i don't like those things no i know you do. but so anyone who's interested i'm not a sicko like I'm you sorry, mark i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> Give me more stuff I about am, uh, sick. uh I'm trying to think of some true crime people. I literally can't remember any names. <laughs> 
Ted Bundy. Ted Bundy, yeah, yeah there you go. You love that. <laughs> there you go. Richard Ramirez. Catherine Randini's back. It's like Ted hey, Bundy. Man, the, the Night Stalker series on Netflix, that is some scary shit right there. Is that stuff, it, like, stop it? It feels like it's slowing down. Like, no? 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 Okay. And we still get, like, every week, it's like, here, coming to Netflix this week, because it's like, we watch so much true crime that it's like, here's for you. But yeah, so this release, we forgot to mention, the company that put this out is Indie Picks, mm-hmm. which we've talked about a bit, but they usually only put out, like, really small obscure new movies this is the first kind of cult release they've sort of done and the first with any sort of like real special features yeah usually they just put it out and they're they're done with it so i think it's kind of cool just because they put it out personally for me i would recommend this as a blind buy but i have i would recommend it as a blind buy not expensive not expensive only exists on dvd (laughs) yeah and it's a weird like lost part of film history that if you're like into that kind of thing you like i think you'll eat it up even if it doesn't fully like satisfy all the according to letterbox the vinegar syndrome guys did see it and they were like meh really (laughs) yeah eh? so it was putting yeah because they played a fantasia yeah that's the thing i was wondering if other companies like had it come across their desk this would feel something that like i would love an arrow wait have they all slowed down doing releases i can't remember they're still doing the last cult release that arrow did they still do big stuff they do big stuff well they've got got hell high coming out soon what's that 80s slasher (sighs) but what about girls night out oh you know what i had that I remember that they slowed down that they were doing a lot of stuff like a ghost weights and so and they even according to you like it doesn't sell it doesn't sell so and you they know stopped. yeah they they actually did say something about their lowered output because i know next month all they've got on the docket are the running out of time collection uh, and flatliners that's it? that's it two releases and at the time when they announced it people were like uh, what's going on, Arrow? Like, are you doing? And they put out some statement saying, like, no, we're still going strong. It's just like, for some reason, it's a lower month. I don't know. Huh. Wow. They've got uh, two new movies coming out this month, though. Yeah, The Righteous, which is a horror flick hmm. uh, from last year. I'll have to pick those up because I like Sacred those. Sacred Spirit, which uh, sounds interesting, actually. <sighs> Although they got it some hot water because the cover was exactly like the World on a Wire poster. Did you see that? No. Yeah, when they announced it, it had the exact same image, and people were like, you just ripped off the Criterion cover. Whoa. So, moving on, we have 20,000 Days on Earth. You seem like a big Nick Cave guy, Mark. I'm actually not. I mean, I like Nick Cave, uh, but I wouldn't say I'm like a Nick Cave head. I really like this movie, though. I saw it back when it came out, just kind of on a whim, because I'd heard it was cool. And yeah, it's like kind of a weird experimental concert film, merged with him just like hanging out at his place and making music. And I don't know, it had a really cool vibe to it. Wait, was that a post his son passed away movie and him dealing with it? Okay. I think the Andrew Dominic films that he's done since Oh, then, that's what I'm thinking post. of. Yeah. This wasn't from Andrew Dominic. I can't don't know the director, but I thought it was really cool. Now, finally, let's make Gladiator 2 with that wild Nick Cave script. Did you ever hear about that? <laughs> no, I didn't. Oh yeah, he wrote a script for Gladiator 2 that he handed Ooh. really Scott where it's like Russell Crowe, I think he's in hell for most no of the movie. Way. Yes. For real? Yep. I would watch that. I would definitely watch that. Next up, we have The Hunted. Ah, finally. <laughs> Benicio Del Toro and Tommy Lee Jones. They're hey, knife fighting uh, in the woods. Late period William Friedkin here. I feel like I've seen this. I remember nothing about it. So I had never seen this until this week. <gasps> um, I always – and it's kind of weird because it came out in 2003. So we were like teenagers. And this that was, was like peak you. Definitely the kind of movie I wanted to see then. I remember it vividly like coming into theaters. I was even into Friedkin at that time too. But um, never saw it. Popped it in this week. I thought this was pretty fun. I have to say, it's clearly like a Rambo meets the fugitive ripoff. Like, there's no question. Uh, they, they clearly are asking Tommy Lee to just do your fugitive role again. I'm more of a fan of the um, 
Robert De Niro, John Travolta movie, oh, Hunting, Killing Season, killing season which is basically oh. this plot. Kind of this, yeah. yeah. It's, killing Season is a lower budget version of this. Uh, directed and by also, the guy who did Daredevil. Yeah, and also has John Travolta with a hilarious like Russian or like Eastern <laughs> European accent. And look, that is a funny movie. But this is a legitimately okay movie. I will say Benicio Del Toro's like staunchly American accent that he's trying to do is... He's trying to do an accent? <laughs> Well, he's just trying to play like a real like American guy, mm-hmm. and it it just doesn't seem like I don't know. He just it he sounds weird. It almost seems like he's dubbed a little bit mm. or something. But I thought they were both fun, and they both like have a lot of knife fights and stuff. Like they that's what we're saying for the knife fights. I remember tons that of knife fights. Uh, it's shot pretty interestingly. I don't know. I guess I thought it was going to be just like boring or bland, like a lot of Friedkin's bad movies around that period, but. This one had the most style from him out of those movies than than others. So I don't know. I had a lot of fun with this. Also, it's like 94 minutes or something. Ooh, yeah. Lean. It's, it gets to the point. I also was worried that it was just going to be like them in the woods for some reason. But it's not. That's only like the first half hour. And then hmm. they catch him. They bring him in. Then he escapes. And it's like a run through the city. It's like oh, Maybe I these, haven't seen this movie. There's even like a scene where he's kind of in the sewers, which clearly they're trying to like mimic the fugitive again. They're really trying to mimic the fugitive. <laughs> I don't care. But you know what? I love the fugitive and I love this movie. So great. It's now on Blu-ray for the first time ever. You know, I... I'm surprised you haven't seen The Hunted. I am not surprised that you added this to the stack. <laughs> it is Assault on Precinct 13. Yes, it's the one you think Mark would watch. Ethan Hawke, Lawrence Fishburne, a Jean-Francois Richet joint. Was he the guy who did The Nest? Is that why he got this movie? I don't know. I know he did the Mezrine movie. Oh, Mezrine 1 and 2. Yeah. yeah, which I saw and thought were okay. But I mean, um, oh, thought you were okay. You just got my review of Assault on Precinct 13, which I saw theatrically when it came out. Wow. I saw it on DVD when it came out. I, I didn't go see it theatrically. Theaters, uh, although I wanted to, and I don't know, I kind of like this film. I mean, it's been a while since I've seen it, but I, <laughs> I mean, mean, if you're talking, move this is price to move though, fifteen dollars on Blu-ray. I mean, this is a Mill Creek special right here, but yeah, it's never been on Blu-ray before. I mean, obviously, it doesn't hold a candle to the John Carpenter original, uh, and I would never try and argue that, but. I don't know, on its own merits, I thought it was a good time, at least when I was a teenager, so who knows how it's aged. I remember but being I mean, look at disappointed. Cast. You got Ethan Hawke, who I love, Lawrence Fishburne, also love, John Leguizamo, also love, Ja Rule is in this movie. <laughs> I mean, I just thought this was like a really good time. I mean, it's it's definitely, it strips out a lot of the artistry of Carpenter's movie, and it's really basic. I think they shot it in Toronto, didn't they? Yes, yeah, absolutely. Right? And I don't know. I just remember, you know, not expecting much when I was watching it, but I don't know. <laughs> this director fun. did not direct the movie I thought uh, he did, but he did direct Bloodfather, the Mel Gibson oh, film in 2016. I have seen that. You know, I didn't really like that movie. People were always – people were talking about like, oh, this is the big Mel Gibson action comeback at the time. Oh, he right. also made uh, or is going to make Untitled Gerard Butler Action Thriller 2023. There you go. That's right. Up We're there. in, baby. We're in. Who so am I speaking of? first American movie, I guess. Right? Yeah. I mean, a French director also directed that Bruce Willis film Hostage. Remember yeah, that? I like Hostage, actually. Maybe that's the director who did The Nest. Yeah, maybe it's that. I can't there was a weird wave. Is. It was that uh, Luc Besson. Uh, bring them all yeah. to America. Let's get some uh, Frenchies in no, here. You're right. In the mid-2000s, they, I mean, they trade with Matthew Kasovitz, too. I guess too. But, oh, um, right, Babylon AD, Babylon AD, <laughs> and Gothica, of course. Oh, but that was a big hit for Matthew Kasovitz. Was it really? Yep, it was. I saw it at theaters, but I yeah. mean, you're the well, one. I who... saw it in like an empty theater with like <laughs> nobody else. 
All right, so uh, next up we have Everything Everywhere All at Once, which I've already mentioned. This is the new film directed by the Daniels, which we've talked about before in this podcast because he directed the one. Oh, yes. One of the Daniels did the one about having sex with a horse. Right, which I still haven't seen yet. I thought you you did see it. Is it still sitting in your bargain bin of your Blu-ray? somebody finally bought it. Wow. For for like $7. Oh, so it went from $42, I think, down to $7? It was in the 30s for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Those MODs, man. (laughs) So this is Everything Everywhere All at Once. Did you watch it? I'm sorry, I didn't. Should I? I think you'd like this. I'm sure I would. I, like, I, I know like it's I too popular. You. I know it's too popular now. It's so popular now. It's so popular. I did I, love Swiss Army Man, though, I will say. And I, I am seeing know. a lot of, like, kind of contrarian letterbox reviewers who are yeah, like... people are starting to turn on this movie, it mm-hmm. seems. Nah, it's great. I watched it again uh, this week. So, yeah, yeah great up. stuff. So why why do people not like it? Because I don't have any context for it. I saw somebody say that, like, oh, you know, it's that kind of, like, post-2010 filmmaking. It's like, yeah. Of course it is. <laughs> like it's post twenty ten. So yeah. and these, this is. I mean, it was made by twenty four, but it's like an indie film. Yeah. Like that supposedly, according to the Daniels, talk about it did not cost very much, and they struggled that's... to make it. So okay. And it's been a twenty four's biggest hit. It's a oh, movie it's that's made huge. the most. And it's been selling like crazy for us, which I mean, I expected, but. Yeah, I mean, it seems like it's a big hit all around. Yeah, definitely like the cast a lot. Yeah, I have no reason not to see it. Other than that, it's too popular. It's too popular. Yeah. (laughs) Why don't you watch it with your significant other? I think you'd have a fun time. Yeah, she doesn't really like stuff that's too popular either. We're both like misers like that. But it's so silly. It it, it was like such an anti-popular film, the way that they made it. Like, it's so silly and wild. It just seemed like everybody everybody everywhere has been talking about it all the time. uh, But is it the fault of the movie? Nope. No? Hey, no. No, I'm not saying it's good. I mm-hmm. haven't seen a frame of it, so I'm not saying anything. I remember when I saw the trailer, I was like, I was a real mark. But then I saw the movie. Great stuff. Yeah. And not... I was only okay on Swiss Army Man. I was like, yeah. I see what you guys are doing, but. Yeah, see, I really like that. That actually. It's all a dream at the end. Come on. You got to give me. I know, that effectively, You know, got Boo! me right in the feels, that movie. You got to commit to the farting corpse bit. That needs true. to be That's real. True. That's fair. That's fair. Next up. Oh, so, you know, Mark. See, th- yeah. Weird stuff that's popular. <laughs> but if it's more your blue collar stuff. Mark's, yeah, see. <laughs> Mark's Give me all that for blue collar, all American filmmaking. Michael Bay's The Ambulance. <laughs> the Ambulance, yeah. <laughs> As a uh, ambulance. <laughs> no, I'm going to call it The Ambulance. You know why you could watch us, though? Because you're like, oh, that was a box office failure. So I'm all in. Exactly. See, now this is, this to me is more of a cult film now than everything. (laughs) All at once. I can't wait. Kind of, right? I can't wait for this to be nominated for Oscars. Then people can really turn on it. Oh, they're going to turn so hard on it. Shape of Water style. Yeah. Which I haven't seen either. So Mm -hmm. there you go. I saw one play the TIFF. Even then, when it won the audience award, it was like too popular. <laughs> this is not what Guillermo del Toro wants. He oh, just yeah. wanted to make a little he just film. Wants to have fun with his little movies, and then yeah. he has to go on like press tour. Oh yeah, the weight yeah. of the world on <laughs> Guillermo del Toro's uh, shoulders. Well, one man who wants to make big movies is Michael Bay. That's well, for he sure. Didn't want any more with this. I he guess wanted not. to make a little film. Forty million dollars this cost. Really? That's. Seems I mean, like I guess nothing that makes sense for a Bay I guess film. I'm just concerned. Yeah, I'm just thinking about his older movies, but. Um, yeah, I had fun with this. Yeah, ambulance, a lot of fun. Lot of fun. Um, I will say the script is really stupid, but um, I wish he got better scripts, you know? The, the dialogue is so, just so bad. According like, to the screenwriter of this movie, he was interviewed in the uh, great special feature. This is like a 40-minute making yeah, of. Got, this is a Universal Collector's Edition. Oh, wait. Whatever. Yeah, about 40 minutes. I think, sorry, I was confusing. This was everything everywhere all at once, which also has really good special features. The screenwriter is uh, interviewed, and he talks about that Michael Bay rewrites the scripts a lot. Inter- you know, that makes sense. So that makes sense. 
sense of why you know the kind of humor in those well, there movies are those like meta jokes in this one about michael bay's career which did make me chuckle i'll give him that and you know, uh the screenwriter too. even mentions that like michael bay added the whole climax of the film like that wasn't okay. there there were supposed to be two white guys too in the role it was like some guy from the maze runner was supposed to be in it Boo. Uh, I don't even know who that is. Uh, Logan something, I assume. Like, they all have Logan Whatever. names. But instead, we get Yaha Abdul-Mateen the second, and he's great. Yeah, I liked him a lot. He's really like the emotional core. <laughs> he's like, why movie. can't I get big popular movies? I know. <laughs> like Candyman. I know. You got Candyman, Matrix Resurrections, and this, which all underperformed, I think. Yes, right? yeah. definitely. <laughs> uh, did Candyman underperform? That's a good question. I think it made some money. Uh, I, I think, think the it Jordan, did. The Jordan Peele name. I think that people were a little bit like, meh, when they left the movie. Yeah. The issue. I, I feel like it's a movie that nobody's going to talk about. It. No, absolutely not. Five years. Instead, uh, they'll be like, oh, Candyman, uh, Farewell to the Flesh. Yeah, yeah now that's the real shit that right one. there. Um, but yeah, you know, he's the emotional core of this. Jake Gyllenhaal does a wacky Jake Gyllenhaal performance. Uh, Mark is not a fan. Akin to his performance in Okja, actually. Which yes. Very... He just likes acting like he that, I think. Acting. You know what? I have the time i'm like yeah he's okay and then half the time i was kind of irritated by him but you know it didn't bother me enough to like take me out of the movie or anything gyllenhaal is in that place where he did the leading man stuff where he was a boring leading man yep and i think he's like i'm tired of that i don't want to do that anymore yeah i don't want to shower no more prince of persia <laughs> i want to smell and i want to make movies with filmmakers to like challenge he's in the nick cage con air period of yes his. which i i'm okay with, mm-hmm. I'm down with that. even though i think he's a little bit older than nick cage was when he was doing that yeah, was he i think jay gyllenhaal's in his 40s now definitely because yeah. he was in donnie darko in the early 2000s but he was a teenager then nick cage was around Around the same age, forties doing Con Air Rock, wasn't he? Like early, 40s yeah, maybe. I can't believe I completely forgot Jake Gyllenhaal was in Prince of Persia, a movie I have not yeah. seen. Uh, me neither, but I put it on the <laughs> store sometimes, and it's not not good from what I've seen. That but, was his like first attempt at being like a massive like movie star, which didn't pan out. Wait, was there any other ones that were like big, massive? It's a good question because he was really kind of the serious, you know, brooding actor in like Brokeback Mountain. That's right. Brokeback Mountain. That's what I'm thinking of. He was also in like Brothers, you know, stuff like that. Brothers. But then, yeah, I remember Prince of Persia was definitely the first like we're going to make you like a Hollywood A-list action. And it never really took. And, you know, we were talking about why this movie kind of failed at the box office. And I think part of the reason is he's just not a big enough star. I don't think he can sell a movie on his name alone, you know. And I guess you can't sell it on Michael Bay's name either. Not anymore. Not unless, you know, you got that Transformers thing attached to it, I guess. That's right. He was in Prisoners as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because he was doing the Denny Villeneuve stuff. I think after Prince of Persia. Nightcrawler? Games. Right. But that's his weird, weirdo he, performance mode. He went back mode. to, like, dramatic stuff after Prince of Persia filmed, mm. So And not dramatic, like... Uh, brothers no which is like like edgy dramatic yeah Yeah, like the villeneuve stuff like nightcrawler yeah nightcrawler was probably the first of his like wacky sort of like over the top things i mean he did that netflix one uh with the director of nightcrawler too right velvet buzzsaw i heard that oh i didn't watch that one everyone said it was bad so i was like no thanks yeah and then he did Oakja, where he was wacky and over the top, and now he's an ambulance, and he's also wacky and over the top. Wait, he's rumored to be in the Roadhouse remake? They're doing a Roadhouse remake. Yes. Just make Roadhouse 3, follow up Roadhouse Directed 2. Directed by, <laughs> who says Roadhouse to you now? Just picture it in your mind. Who says Roadhouse? Definitely the director of Jumper. Doug Lyman. <laughs> with a Nick Cassavetti script. Like with a Nick like... Cassavetti script. I really went through my mind to find like a bad movie Jumper. that he made. I saw Jumper in theaters. When it came <laughs> oh, out. man. Oh, what? oh, he was in Guilty as The Guilty as well, which was a remake right, of that. Of the Danish? Oh, wait. Was it directed by Antoine Fuqua? It was, yeah. Oh. It was a tiff last year. Antoine 
for Quill. You know, I'm glad that he can keep working. He's the most anonymous journeyman, like, yeah. going these days. He did that Mark Wahlberg movie last year, too, which was terrible. Oh. Infinite. It looks like, oh, yeah, I hated that movie. Terrible movie. It looks like that you watch a streaming movie, because Infinite was definitely a streaming movie. Hey, what? I reviewed it. That's why. Oh, it that's it why. assignment. Oh, yeah, that's, that's right. That's how I'm going to say this. <laughs> Gyllenhaal was in, like, Love and Other Drugs, Rendition, so, yeah. Jarhead. I Rendition, yeah. I saw, yeah, Jarhead's good. He does one for them, one for us. So, one for them, Life. <laughs> Maybe oh, a boring is... drama like Nocturnal Animals. Oh, I love Nocturnal Animals. Oh, Big fan awful, of that one. Awful. Oh, really? Terrible. Oh, yeah. That was my favorite movie that year. <laughs> you are bananas. Oh, uh, man, Stronger? Who can forget Stronger? One of the Boston uh, Marathon I, movies. I did not follow him there. <laughs> and then he goes to Sister Brothers, where he gets... To... What yeah, does I he do in the Sister Brothers? It. I still haven't seen that one. I thought he was one of the brothers, but he is not. I think I he... he... I saw that at TIFF, yeah. too. Yeah. All right. Oh, well, that's well, uh, the Jill and Hall update. Yeah, anyways. he never had one big hit. That, no, like... It was mostly just like kind of cool, edgy stuff that kind of like grew in popularity after, like Donnie Darko or like... Yeah. Oh, my God. This next movie. Is this a screen movie? Zero Contract, starring... <laughs> Zero Contact. Contact. Alexis Ponovic. Uh, who could forget Alexis okay, Ponovic? Well, Did he direct this movie? I, I don't know who any of those people is, but, are, but Anthony Hopkins is who they're selling this movie on. How, how much do you think Anthony Hopkins is in this movie? Five minutes. Yeah, maybe ten. Okay. So, Even though he does it all so from a Zoom screen? this movie yet. No. So this made... I, I want to say made a splash, but that's not true. This came out last year and had some press because it was the first movie sold as a pandemic NFT, as an nft oh god so they were selling this movie i don't even really know what nfts are the whole thing kind of confused wasn't me. kevin smith supposed to do that with one of his yeah, movies he backed out though. right yeah so this is the first movie that's been available on like blockchain i guess mm-hmm. is what it is yes um, <laughs> you are so, like so uh, when i heard that i was like that sounds kind of intriguing because, you know, I, I'm a sucker for shit like that. Now it's out on Blu-ray and I watch it. Yeah, it's a screen movie. It's like screen life movie, I guess, where Anthony Hopkins plays some mysterious like Steve Jobs-esque like tech guru who in the first five minutes you get his whole life story through like news articles and then he's dead. So he's like <laughs> dead at the start of the movie. Yeah. So, and then the whole movie is five of the people that like work for him, I guess, having some conference because they've all been mysteriously called together from different parts of the globe. There's some mysterious stuff going on. They don't know what's going on with Anthony Hopkins' character or the business. And they're basically trying to figure it out. And then they start getting killed off one by one by this weird guy with like static on the face or something, which is like, <laughs> oh, OK, this is like a horror movie now. Doesn't really go anywhere. And the other hook that they try and sell it on is it was filmed during the pandemic and it was everybody involved was in different countries and they all. So why don't know, they put this on the cover? That's where what, it's well, like... that's why it's called Zero Contact. And yeah, I, I get I it. Shit you not. I get it. I understand. <laughs> and the whole end credits is like uh, they have basically like behind the scenes footage of them just all in their different like offices all over the place being like so how are we gonna do this see it's like you're just gonna i don't know capture his zoom now i got it together a little bit excited when i looked at this cover because doesn't this look like malcolm in the middle himself <laughs> it does look like frankie muniz this guy plays anthony hopkins son mm-hmm. yeah. i mean why not frankie uh, muniz i mean other I than know. the brain damage yeah he's yeah. on right now not a good movie but i had to mention it because you watched cool. it he took that bullet. It's got a few moments. Oh, and Anthony Hopkins, though, like, they clearly just, like, filmed him. They got somebody to film him in his house, just, like, improvis- improvising, like, all these, like, grand statements. <laughs> it's just, like, the stupid, like, actor reel of him. And they're like, all right, every, like, 20 minutes, we'll just cut in some footage of Anthony Hopkins doing that. So, next up, 
Oh, you hear that sound, Mark? The ambulances are coming. Yeah, the ambulances are here. <laughs> it's Willis Watch Time. You know what? We need every to, two weeks, every other week. We need to like rate, We need to, you know, it's more of like a, a party. Like Willis Watch. A party for everybody but Bruce Willis. I mean, he can be there. He'll have a smile hey, on his face. He can come out if he wants to. This week, it is the to be original corrective <laughs> measures being released on Blu-ray. Mark doing his due diligence, brought it in from Australia, yeah, Umbrella Entertainment. I, I just want to be clear, people. I imported this movie from Australia so we could have it on the shelves. <laughs> and um, I am very disappointed to say that I said I was going to watch it. Yeah, and, and I, you were going to join me on Willis Watch for the first time in a long time. And I could not because <laughs> the gods decided no internet in Ontario today. <laughs> yeah, internet is down across large parts of the country. Yeah, never today. happened before. Yeah. A whole network, Rogers, yeah. who has a monopoly just completely down it's been down since 6 a.m this morning you can't do 911 calls if you have a roger like on the roger network and that's why you have to buy physical media ladies and gentlemen <laughs> so you can and that's justin, why you gotta buy corrective measures. could have bought a copy of corrective measures measures but For 27 dollars no, relying on tubi to which is great i love tubi we all love tubi you love fox news sure <laughs> <laughs> there's the ones who sponsor tubi they're the ones who own Do it they really you, we've wow. gone through this before I guess I forgot. I guess I wipe it, <laughs> you wipe it. every time. Yeah. No, it can't be true. It can't be true. That's why they never hired me when I applied. Well, I wanted to watch this because I thought the idea of Tubi making you know a what? Suicide Squad <laughs> ripoff was very funny. I question, though. These Tubi originals, does Tubi actually produce these, though? Is it like a Netflix original situation? I, I don't think they produce these movies. I think they just buy them for distribution. Tubi's name is not on the back of this box. No. And I've seen a few Tubi originals now, and a lot of them are made by The Asylum. Okay, um, but I think they have a direct deal maybe with they? Tubi. Okay. Yeah, I just wonder how much money Tubi's putting into these productions. <laughs> well, at all. if they're not working much. with the Asylum, not much, because I know much. someone who just shot an Asylum film in five days. So <laughs> yeah, I just watched their Shark One uh, Swim recently. Not good. Not it was called Swim. It's called Swim. It's oh got, boy. Um, Joey Lawrence in it. Yeah. <laughs> you do like Joey Lawrence. Canada's own. Hey. <laughs> what is it? One week or seven days? What's that cancer movie he's in? No, that's Joshua Jackson. Oh, who am I thinking of Joey Lawrence? Joey Lawrence was from Blossom. He's, oh. He was part of the Lawrence brothers. There's Matthew Lawrence, who was the guy in Mrs. the kid in Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah. And there was another one that I'm What was Joey Lawrence in? What would I know? I never watched Blossom. Just Blossom. That's, <laughs> okay. all, I, that's all I know. <laughs> so does he swim against the know. shark? Not really. It's mostly his. <laughs> it's mostly his family, and then he's like the name in actor that they got to. Wow. Like, he's like driving towards them the whole time, like trying to get there, and he mm-hmm. can't get there. Anyways, uh, corrective measures. So you didn't watch it, so no. I guess we can't I'm riff be, on it. I guess we I'm can't make the only one talking about it here. Well, we've been kind of hinting at this for many episodes now because it's his like Suicide Squad kind of movie. Yes. I don't I don't really know much about Suicide Squad. I just Suicide said that. Squad. I guess it's like that. It's like a superhero movie, kind of. Apparently, it's based on some comic books I'm that sure were made. So, what if Suicide um, Squad never left the prison? <laughs> is the indication I get from watching the trailer of yeah. this movie. So, it's a prison movie in the future, and it's kind of like an X-Men thing, I guess, where they've taken all the superheroes or the people with superpowers and they've put them in a prison together. Bruce Willis is also one of these super villains. His name is The Lobe. In it. Unbreakable, perhaps. Yeah, you know what? He kind of does an unbreakable sort of thing. Going on. He's very stoic. Isn't he supposed to be like a super smart criminal, though? That's the gimmick? Yeah, so he basically, I mean, as Bruce does, he just sits in a chair in mm-hmm. a room for all of his scenes. They actually shot this all in Canada, except for Bruce Willis's scenes, which were shot in LA, LA, I assume. That's no, probably I think it's like Atlanta or something. Oh, he lives in Atlanta? Was oh, he shooting yeah. multiple movies at that time? That's where, the, they, yeah. that's where they shoot all those movies. This actually is not related to like Randall Emmett, though, or like any other. This is like a different production team. 
So I not one he's worked with before. The director I looked up has actually done a lot of crappy DTV animated movies lately. So. Oh, wait, like like cash in animated movies kind of like the russian stuff we watch mm-hmm. but not like actually like american made stuff but just really cheapo stuff okay. i've never heard of michael rooker's in this who is also in another bruce willis movie coming up. up we keep we keep teasing it white teasing elephant it, which will come which will come got some canadian talent here tom cavanaugh and canadian ed himself, <laughs> ed himself. Uh, kevin zegers is in this i don't know who that is airbud kid come on come on. <laughs> i'm supposed to know the actor from airbud <laughs> You don't know Kevin Zegers. No. He was like, did you grow up in Canada? I watch Air Bud endlessly. I don't watch it for the kid. I watch it for the dog. He was also in the Dawn of the Dead remake. He was a security guard, not the asshole one, the younger kid. I don't remember the Dawn of the Dead remake enough. Anyways, he's in a lot of Canadian So, corrective measures. It gets the... I guess so. We never got a a rating system uh, for Willis Watch. How do you rate this? (laughs) You you, You know uh, what? uh, Watch? Don't watch. <laughs> okay, okay. So this one, I will say it. Or it will watch. Will <laughs> will not watch. Will I watch or will I not watch? No, yeah, but no. That that rings into the work because will you've watch? already watched it. Okay, so, so I did. Yeah. So will I recommend? Yeah. Will. I will... <laughs> well, I don't recommend any of these. Though, <laughs> <No>. so. <laughs> but some of them you have to. Okay. Well, I'll do pros and cons. Yes. Okay. Pros are it's got a bit more of a budget it looks like than mm. a lot of these like they have special effects in this <laughs> i mean it's directed by an effects guy yeah if he did uh, animated films. and I, i'll say the cgi doesn't look as bad as some cgi i've seen in dtv con con yeah okay i mean it's your typical bruce willis <laughs> I mean, all right that's a pretty blanket <laughs> statement bruce willis you know he's smirking on the front here but he doesn't really he doesn't uh, really show much life pro not a randall Lambert production yeah you know what? And I'll say pro about Bruce's performance. It, the sto- it almost works it's, a little with bit. With the character? Okay. the character because he's supposed to be this like stoic, like scary because he doesn't say anything kind of. But, I mean, it's still sad. <laughs> it's still, still sad. It's still really sad. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I got any more pros. <laughs> that's it. It's got a bit more of a budget and Bruce is a little better just because the character fits. So will not watch. Let's put it out the will not yeah, watch category. I, I don't know if it's going to... I don't know. I mean, it stayed with me more than I would say most of the other ones from this year. Okay. It might be the best one I've seen this year. You know what? So I will go home and watch yeah. it. When the internet you comes up, I will watch I it. I am confident in saying this is the best one I've seen so far this year. This year? So when you are you going to do like a, a Bruce uh, Willis? I can't do now. You can't do that You review everything but Bruce Willis. I was Willis. ready to. At the beginning of the year, too. I was like, he's going to go 12 for 12 this year, one a month. There's going to be a lot to talk about. Uh, now it's just it's just important. You can't. But we do it on the Important Cinema Club. Yeah. Someone has to. Hey. If you want to have me on the important cinema club. Oh, sorry. I mean, uh, on Baby Video I'm Podcast. Sorry. I, I thought you were actually offering <laughs> no, me. I can't. Fine. Uh, Fine. We did a Bruce Willis episode. Oh, uh, yeah, you did. Six you months ago. Did. And yeah. we watched uh, the Bruno special. Yeah, I remember. And I remember what is the other thing that we watched. Hudson Hawk? Hudson Hawk? I Maybe. I mean, we love Hudson Hawk. So I mean, that's funny, Bruce. Uh, that's funny, Bruce. This is not funny. Bruce. No, I don't think we're getting yeah, funny but, Bruce uh, ever say, again. Yeah, out of the ones he's done this year, which I think are American Siege, A Day to Die, the you kind of liked American sequel. Siege. Oh, no, you liked Fortress. That was last uh, year. That was last year. The yeah. second Fortress, nah, Bad, yeah. not good. And there was one more, Gasoline Alley. You know what? It's about on par with Gasoline Alley. I'll okay. say that. So it's, it's up there. Not so hot. Uh, okay, <laughs> so well, hot. to hear a full breakdown on that, you'll have to tune in in two weeks, I guess, and, for the next Willis please Watch. Please, somebody buy this Blu-ray. <laughs> I, I, I literally, I you literally went, back I went to Australia. I went to Australia to get this for us. No, I didn't. I just ordered it from our Australian importer. But, um, you know, they should put some features on here, man. What if there was like a commentary with the director? 
Sure. And he was like... I don't think there's been commentaries on any of these There was one on Midnight in the Switchgrass. Was there really? Yes, there was. was That was uh, Randall Emmett. directorial debut. It was his baby, yeah. Yeah. Batman Randall Emmett. Horrible, man. Which uh, I will let people know, we had a long, depressing conversation. I cut out of the last episode because it just didn't go anywhere. It was just sad. It was just like Randall Emmett's a bad man. Well, since we're talking about Bruce... And Randall Emmett, yeah, is obviously a bad man. We all know that. There there are some even more depressing Bruce tidbits in that article. Uh, oh, you finally read it. Because you yeah. hadn't read it when we talked about it. Yeah. The whole Midnight in the Switchgrass thing where he couldn't get him to like kick a door open. It was just oh, really, God. really sad. Yeah, if people, haven't want, if people want to feel even sadder, read that Randall Emmett piece. Yeah. That was in LA Weekly. LA Times. LA, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of... Funny parts in it. In terms uh, he of, is a like, madman. His contracts with like Pacino and De Niro, and stuff. <laughs> like two million dollars a day. Hilarious. <laughs> and De Niro's stipulation that he has to, Randall Emmett has to pay for a family vacation for him in the year after filming it. Randall Emmett screaming at his assistant that he let his goldfish die. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> that but is bananas. There's also a lot of sexual assault in her. Yes, not so good. He's a terrible person. Terrible, as terrible all, man. As we all do, because he's been making you know tons of Bruce Willis movies while bruce willis has not been at full capacity and that's it as our usual sad wind that's down it. on the yeah. base Street video podcast but yeah corrective measures can't be blamed on you know what i think on randall from now on because these willis watches are such bummer they cannot end this podcast anymore so what you want to start it off go right no into no it? it's like maybe it's a penult- you know you go down okay. and then you come back up with for example if we had put like ambulance we should have put ambulance on the bottom or right. even yeah not zero contract you don't want to end on zero no, contract that's bad you know what okay next time we won't put it last i know because back so two weeks from now when we do it again yeah <laughs> back in the day we could laugh and laugh <laughs> <laughs> but now all you imagine is that sad instagram video of now like bruce sad. playing basketball yeah. with his family well you know i feel like we still laugh but then after i'm just really sad about it yeah we're not laughing at Bruce, though. No, never. Never. I still like Bruce. I love Bruce. Yeah, love you love... Bruce. That's why you're watching these movies. That's why I watch these movies. Somebody has to. <laughs> I don't know why you're still watching, hey, but you are. I'm the biggest Bruce If we didn't do this guys. podcast, Mark would watch these, write no reviews. Hey, I was watching these before we did this podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's true. That's I true. I just logged them on Letterboxd and not review them. <laughs> not review them. Ten minutes gone, you know. Ten minutes gone? These movies are not ten minutes long. <laughs> like... Ten minutes gone was one of his previous ones. <laughs> really? <laughs> With Michael Chiklis. <laughs> oh, all right. This, this was before we did the podcast. So that's it for the Bay Street Video Podcast. Until next week, my name is Justin DeClue. And I'm Mark Hanson. Keep on watching. And keep on... Keep on renting. Bye. I got it wrong last yeah, week. I got it wrong again. again this week. <laughs> keep, yeah, I'll just be like, yeah, keep on watching. <laughs> keep on renting. And even though... Well, we recently learned that no one's rented anymore. These movies and many more are available at your local video store. It's really like sales-based these days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we're still going to do the rental thing because I feel like it's important to film culture, but yeah, I don't know. You don't put all the rare stuff, though, for rental anymore. You just don't have the space. It doesn't make I sense. I try to if it's on DVD. The problem is, though, like our rental customers largely still go DVD only. Really? Because it's a lot of older people yeah. that just don't bought it up. Mm-hmm. Right? So if it's Blu-ray only and it's like, pricey it's like we're just it makes no sense just, to put it out for rental throwing yeah. money in the garbage yep. right so uh, it depends it depends all right so i open movies that are on tubi <laughs> <laughs> wait did you put this out for rental on blu-ray not on dvd oh okay <laughs> it's cheaper on dvd i swear it's way cheaper come on for when the internet goes down <laughs> yeah, corrective measures is yeah, there you can't get tubi you can watch it <laughs>